You're listening to The Sister Trill with Danai and Kiveli. Hi everybody and welcome to the second official episode of The Sister Trill. I'm Kiveli. And I'm Danai. And we're coming to you from our mutual home in Berlin. Today's episode is going to be all about relationships. Now that is romantic relationships, not professional relationships. And we're going to focus more on the emotional side, not the physical sexual side, which is a whole episode by itself. But and before, we're, we're not going to be focusing on our relationship, right? Just like no. our relationships with other people. Exactly. Got exactly. It. But before we dive into that, let's first um, cover what did we disagree on this week? So I, I'm ready. I have one ready. Do you also have one? Yes, I have one ready. Uh, <laughs> because before we started, I didn't have one ready. But uh, yeah, we start every podcast by saying one thing that we disagreed on this week. And I'm, I just would like to rehash the theme that we had <laughs> last week. That we started last week, which is the glass theme. Because for anyone that did not follow the last episode, um, Kiveli's thing that annoyed her about me was that. I always took away her glasses and put them into the dishwasher and she likes to have a glass around. So today I would like to say that what we disagreed on was that there was a moment in the house where there were no glasses in the kitchen <laughs> because actually there were about six glasses in the yeah, room but downstairs true, but that I mean, Kiveli was using. But like one was in the piano room for when I'm practicing. One is next to my bed for when I go to sleep. One was like when I sit and do my work next to my swing. Mm. One was coffee. One was my coffee glass. And I think the, the other was glass. a coffee the glass. Coffee glass. Yeah, because I drink cold coffee at the moment because it's summer. Love and it. then one was like the coffee glass that I hadn't yet washed from the day before. So <laughs> that's why there were quite some glasses here. Um, actually, I can't believe you couldn't come up with someone because there was such a like uh, an obvious one this week, which basically was like which geographic location we work in the house. Oh my god, that's so true. Yeah. Basically, the situation is I am a fan of working in a very comfy position. I like working in bed or definitely in my bedroom in very like comfortable, partially lying down positions on soft cushions with pillows and some nice background music and a little like cavey feeling. And then I likes working like in an upright position on a table preferably without being able to lean anywhere so she has to like keep that back straight and like everything is very focused and concentrated like you know spartan so um yeah I, i like to work just sitting up and i like to place my ipad or laptop on a desk or on a table and preferably on something that is higher so i don't go into that crunch, like not crunch, or hunched, hunched position, but that I can uh-huh. sit up straight and not have back pain. And yesterday evening I spent... For the first time, by the, the way, I usually time. always come up. Anyway, one of the times mm. uh, that I spent the evening working on Kiveli's bed in the lying position where either I'm in the cobra yoga position <laughs> where I have to like cobra. press my upper body up in order to access the iPad or I'm in the like embryo position working sideways 
And today I woke up and I could definitely feel it in my back and first had to like detangle myself. I just, I really, I don't get it. I mean, these are like literally the most comfortable positions. You lie with your back against the pillows. Everything is soft. Everything is like safe. The, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's an actual thing. I've had this discussion with a couple of people, also with my boyfriend. And he's also on your side, by the way. He's a very much in bed worker. And I really, it's something that really bothers me if I cannot sit on a chair and like at a table especially if I'm typing I find it really hard but I think it's interesting let us know in the comments what you do are you someone that works in bed or in a lying horizontal position or do you need to sit at a table like at a desk and work well that concludes the segment <laughs> what we disagreed on this week <laughs> so um let's get into the whole relationship topic so before we start talking more about like specific things that happen and like our perspectives on some other things I would like to ask you like growing up when like when and how did you feel when did you start thinking about this whole concept of boys as potentially romantic interests mm -hmm. do you remember how these thoughts kind of started creeping in and what like your first thoughts were about that I think Thinking of boys as a romantic partner for me was kind of late. I, mm -hmm. I was I was generally late to that party. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, even thinking of something like a boyfriend or, mm -hmm. or something like this, I must have been about, I don't know, like seven or eight mm -hmm. years old when I started thinking about that possibility. And I, I remember being seven or eight years old because I was in, I think, third grade and I got a letter from a boy in my class that said, <laughs> do you want to go out with me? And I had to tick a... No, I didn't have to tick a box. It said yes or no if it's a yes. And he had given me this picture of a mandala and he said, if it's a yes, then give me the mandala at the end of the lesson. And Aww, it was very so sweet. It was very sweet. It was very sweet. And so I read it, and of course I liked him. And then at the end I of the lesson, he, he was your boyfriend. He was it, my boyfriend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then at the end of the lesson, I went and I didn't even like cutely or anything say, "Oh, thank you." I just kind of because I was so shy about yeah. it. I just kind of like threw it on his desk. <laughs> I was just kind of like, yeah, here you go. And then he was just like, oh, okay, thank you. And, and you know, do you remember that we went trick-or-treating with him? Yes. Oh, my God, yes. Because I remember that so well that we, w that we went trick-or-treating together. It was all like, yeah, we're going with the nice boyfriend. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I mean, with this um, boyfriend, nothing ever happened. We didn't even hold hands. Like, it didn't even go to that stage. We were just officially together that for like so a sweet. year. That is so sweet. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, next question would be, um, tell us your first kiss story. Okay, my first kiss. Well, um, I mean, I know the first kiss story, but I think it's a very uh, sweet, I don't know, it's a very interesting story to share. Because yeah. I think we had very different first kisses. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, my like my first like real, real kiss. real kiss. I was 14 years old and it was in Salzburg during a master class. Mm -hmm. And it, we, when, when we had these master classes with our teacher, with the whole piano class, very often after we had these like, um, Cons well, kind of concerts or like performance practice evenings, we would then all go out together to a restaurant in the evening and eat and like the older students would drink and I wasn't one of the older students back then. And there was this boy, he was 18, which was 
pretty cool in my eyes. And I like to say he was like the cool guy. He was the, the cool group. guy. You know, he was the one that didn't really practice very much, was like super talented, but didn't practice. <laughs> Always went out during like the performance practice concert. Yeah. And he, he, he had was, a whole he, vibe going on. He was not a goody goody. He was like no, a bit no. of a bad boy. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, that's how I felt about him. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Actually, he was very nice. But anyway. Um, so yeah, we were in this restaurant and then there was a bit of a flirt going on very much from his side and I was kind of awkwardly going along with it. And then and he was like, do you want to go for a walk? And then we went for a walk and things happened. Yeah, but the things happened. So, <laughs> Well, I mean, it was nothing spectacular at all. We just went three But I mean, buildings. did you did you know, were you expecting that you're going, we're going to have your first kiss then um, or not? Like... You know? Yes. How did you I, feel? I, I knew it was going to happen. I knew we were going for were you a nervous? walk to do that. I was nervous. And of course, I tried to play it very cool. Yeah. And I remember specifically that. So I was sitting on his lap. And I remember specifically that he kissed me and I, and I kissed him. And my eyes were wide open because I wanted to like check out what he was doing and <laughs> do, do the same thing. <laughs> and I remember him telling me like, don't you want to close your eyes? <laughs> And I was like, oh, yeah. And I, I closed my eyes. That is so sweet. Because I was always wondering. I would always analyze everything with you. Like, also before things would happen, I was so aware of, like, okay, first kiss, first this, first that. And because you wouldn't, you who would you talk about, like, these talking about the first kiss and before they happened would, did you have friends before exactly like who um, would you you know fantasize with about these things well yeah at school i guess with my girl friends and i like, did you do the whole practice on your hand thing or something practice on an apple you practice you practice on yeah an that apple? was a thing in my class like my school class okay practice on an apple that was a All right. very standard practice do you think you were a good first kiss no definitely <laughs> not <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Interesting. Nice. Yeah. My first kiss experience was so, so, so different. Like, it, yours is like super sweet and innocent. Um, I had been aware of this whole world, obviously, very, very early on. And I remember, I mean, my first real kiss, okay, I had it within a game, but I'm not going to, like, count the game. Yeah. Like, my first, actually, like, romantic first kiss situation. I remember there was this, you also know it, obviously, there was this boy that... I had kind of met during one of the master classes and it had been a bit flirty. I was also 14. And then we met in another master class. And what I remember is that during that master class, for some reason, I was uh, walking with crutches because I had done something. Either it was my surgery at my knee, um, at my foot, or I had kind of hurt my knee. It was one of these two things. Mm -hmm. But I remember for this entire master class, I was walking in crutches and we would always go on these walks together. And he would always like kind of help me. And then when we would like lie down to look at the stars you know at first I have to like very non-elegantly kind of put the crutches next to me and then like it was like this whole thing so That's super cute well I agree it was super cute but like we had now gone out like on multiple walks a day and he hadn't kissed me and then it was the last <laughs> evening and I was and I was thinking to myself like I'm misreading the signals but it can't be you know like he's all the time putting his arm around me and he's all the time like you know flirting with me and hugging me and we were like doing all these romantic things together so remember it was like this last evening and we were sitting on the bench and I was like you know saying yeah you know tomorrow I'm gonna go back to you know Dusseldorf where I lived and he lived in another city and then I just took like all my courage together and I kissed him and then uh, it was like, we didn't even kiss for a very long time. Like, I kissed him. I was like also super 
uh, anxious whether it was like an okay move. So um, yeah, then I, I and then that, that was it. And then we kind of said goodnight. And then I remember I didn't see him for a long time because, uh, you know, generally just our lives didn't really cross, yet, cross again. And we didn't really vibe enough like for a relationship to <laughs> blossom out of it, you know, long distance. But I remember that then years later, I saw him at this other masterclass and then like, uh, this other festival and then like something happened again it was like a totally different situation and but anyway, it's, it's super cool you you're like the embodiment of the the modern woman you just take matters into yeah. your own hands you don't need anyone courting you you just right. go for it maybe I don't, i'm not sure i think i would have preferred to have like a little romantic situation like you <laughs> but it was romantic like yes. watching the stars kind of Kind of, kind of. <laughs> okay, so now I want to get into um, a very special topic, um, which is titled First Boy We Both Kissed. <laughs> and basically the reason why is because, of course, I think it would make sense to also get into the whole question of how do we navigate boys together. Jealousy in relationships. Jealousy in, in Jealousy relationships and sisters. also meeting, of course, meeting same mm -hmm. guys and everything. Mm -hmm. And I, I would say that quite interestingly, like the origin story of us being both not sexually active, but like active with boys was actually quite bad. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was our worst, our worst sister experience with a guy. Yes, I mean, as by as far, it, yeah, like yeah. The, the one that was the most, uh, I would say, traumatizing for both of us for subsequent events. So <laughs> do you want to tell it from your perspective? Yeah, sure. Okay. So we were uh, in Greece at our summer holiday destination that we went to every summer. And we were always kind of hanging out with this group of people. And there was this one specific boy who was kind of cool. Again, a bit of a bad boy vibe, <laughs> just saying. And... So, I mean, I don't remember the exact order of, of events, but what happened was that he was first with you. Is that, that's right. No? I, am I saying it correctly? Yes. 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 Okay. Because I, I always usually say it from my perspective, so I thought it was interesting yeah, to hear yours because first. Because the truth is I never tell this story. So I'm like recollecting <laughs> it as, as I'm saying it right now. Okay. So somehow he was, anyway, so things were happening between yeah. you two and you were kind of like getting closer. I mean, that was back when happening meant kissing. Nothing else was happening. Yeah, yeah, it was like making out. No, no. Things were so like very innocent things were happening between yes. you two. And was this on like several evenings or one evening? I don't even remember that. I remember. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no. We could I mean, tell who's the more traumatized <laughs> one. <laughs> no, basically, I mean, basically... The the whole the whole problem already was that we used to go to these to to our holiday place for a very very limited amount of days. So we'd go for about five days, and things had to happen quickly and had to happen efficiently. <laughs> and you know, when you're 15, it's not very easy to navigate th these things. So, anyways, it was just one guy, and quite quickly, like within the second or third evening, something happened between us. Namely, yeah. he kissed me. In front of you, by the way. Yeah, like, yeah, you totally. were sitting across from I remember, me, which yeah, was, I was so weird. I was literally sitting with another super weird guy um, <laughs> who was supposed to be like, so it was kind of a double date situation, which was completely hopeless with that guy. <laughs> but anyway, I was sitting with him basically to support you. I mean, the, tru the truth is that 
Okay, so first let's just say the story. So yeah. basically, exactly, to support me, you were there. And then for this to happen. Exactly. For this to happen. And it happened. It happened. Well, the other oh my guy God, was asking I me felt... to go to the beach, which was not going to happen in a Anyways, million years. I remember he had a voice, which was literally higher than a countertenor's. It was the funniest thing. In any case, so he kissed me. It was super nice. I felt that was like on cloud nine, obviously. We went back home. Oh my God, blah, 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 blah. Next evening... Something happened between us again, but the vibe had already shifted. Like he was starting to heavily flirt with you. Yeah. And at that point, interestingly enough, I don't really know why, but we both had always quite naturally this inclination to not show when we were hurt. Yeah. Ever to boys. Like we never, I mean, this is a thing not, that... I, not even to boys. I mean, in, ge- in general, but especially life, towards boys. Yeah. Like we, we, we were never the girls that would create a scene about anything. If we didn't like something, if we felt kind of hurt by something, we would usually just keep it to ourselves and then maybe disengage. Uh, like that was usually yeah. the way yeah. to go. So, and, but that was the first time I was ever in that position. And my immediate natural response was I didn't... I didn't disengage. I didn't say anything. No, I did, in, on the contrary, I pretended... Like I thought it was all super exciting and funny because I thought the cool thing to do, the empowered thing to Mm -hmm. do is not be hurt by a boy suddenly showing interest in your sister. No, everything is cool. Everything is open. You know, (laughs) like that's what I was trying to like convince myself that the situation was. So nothing happened that night. And then the next night was I think the last night that we were there. And it was also like one of the bigger celebrations in the village. And at that point, like he had completely shifted focus. It wasn't even like he was with me. And then he was like, just on you all the time. And everyone else was kind of looking at it. And the the narrative had kind of become, haha, this boy trying it with both sisters. And it was this situation. And I remember starting to feel, weirdly, really bad that you were saying no. Mm. I was starting to feel like everyone was kind of getting excited about this situation and you were the one kind of saying like, no, no. And I was like, oh my God, she's ruining the whole narrative. I thought if I can't have him, if it can't be like a romantic little him and me, then at least... At least we should both have No, at least I want to be in on the like spectacular, exciting story. I mean, totally wrong way of thinking, Mm. obviously. Mm. But that was, you know, I was 15, I was young, I was insecure, I was just... It was a whole different without like, a mindset, without any self-reflection or honesty towards myself. So basically what ended up happening is I went to you and I said, Did I just do it? Stop saying no, you know? Yeah. And 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 you were like, Are you sure? And I was like, Yeah, come on, just please do it. So then you went and then the famous kiss <laughs> <did> happened <laughs> on the dance floor. <laughs> then you went and did it. And then <laughs> I mean did it is is a kiss on the dance Right, floor. no, a kiss. I mean, <laughs> everything was kissing, right? But yeah. I mean at that point that was equal to like, you know, yeah, it was of course. the thing yeah. kissing. And and then that was the last evening. And that was so it. I think I, I remember like the day afterwards he kind of both brought us home after I remember we went also to the beach, we were yeah, yeah, to the exactly. beach together. It was the day we were already flying away. Exactly. I remember I was wearing long clothes in summer, which was the flying outfit. I remember right, that. right. I was wearing long jeans. Right, and right, yeah. And I, and I remember that at that point I had still I was still putting on a very brave face. Yes. And I was like saying, No, I how how cool, you know, we had this whole situation. Huh? And I was like almost still trying to convince myself that what had happened was kind of a fun thing, Mm -hmm. you know, because also coming off of the fact that for a very long time, I'd watched you have kind of like fun experiences with guys because I was like 11 and 12 (laughs) and now was finally a part of it. So generally it was a very dysfunctional situation from start to finish. And I remember that for a couple of days, like suddenly there was like this big 
distance between us and it was very difficult to talk about because I was too shy to admit that I was hurt by it. But also, I just want to say that even when you told me, go for it, do it, something inside me knew that I actually shouldn't have. Mm -hmm. So there was this feeling and also... I mean, to this day, this I feel awful about this story, and it doesn't portray me in a good light at all. <laughs> My feet have, um, like, totally fallen <laughs> No, but because, I mean, in this scenario, I was four years older. I should have somehow known better. And the truth is, I did feel inside of me that, I mean, yes, you were pushing me towards it and everything, yeah. but I knew that the right thing would have been to just say, whatever, I don't want to. Yeah, but the thing know? is that I believe, this, I, I truly believe it, it was for me, if you would have continued to say no, obviously now in retrospect, I get the yeah. whole thing, but th the thing that broke my heart or whatever that hurt me wasn't that you went and did it. It was the fact that a guy obviously had chosen you over me. You know, right. in such a, or at Although, least that's I mean, how it's not exactly, that's not at all what happened. Like, he didn't choose anyone. That's how it felt. He basically just wanted the double experience. Right, right, right. <laughs> Back to that. <laughs> so, I mean, the, uh, the damage happened once I noticed that his interest had shifted. Yeah, yeah. You know, that was I understand. When, when the br yeah. breaking point happened. But I happened. mean, the, the truth is that to this day, I feel bad about it. I just want to officially <laughs> apologize once again. So, for, for a while, I think there was a, a very big care especially on your part, yeah. when you when you had noticed that there was something going on between me and someone, you yeah. kind of I mean, like which, were very which is as it should be, especially yes, at that age, yeah, I yeah, think. Yeah, of course, of yeah. course. But I think at this point now, we're in a, such now, a different place. things have changed <laughs> yes. a lot. So anyway, I wanted to, to talk about, maybe actually I hadn't even planned to talk about that, but um, let's talk about how after that, we kind of worked on this never happening again, like this kind of, you know, dishonesty towards each other never happening again, yeah. and how we then started navigating, you know, guys together, because I think that was definitely like the starting point. And we, we, I remember we had a conversation afterwards where you said kind of like, I will never do something again with someone that you have done exactly. something with. Yeah, which... Uh, I'm not sure they know. No, but uh, I mean, for sure, it was kind of a thing that we said, you know, if you choose somebody or mm -hmm. if I choose somebody, then that's their person. Kind of like this sisters before misters. Uh, thought right, process. Right, right, right. Um, and we definitely stuck to that for a while. Mm -hmm. And we also always discussed it. And I think for a while, it also wasn't a realistic yeah. problem because of the age gap, which yeah. I find at 15 and 19 is yes. significant yes. when it comes to yeah. guys. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I might have already been interested in the 20 year olds. And I mean, and that guy that we spoke about before was, I think, exactly. He was younger he was, than he was, me. he was 17. Exactly. He so was he was exactly between us. Yeah, he yeah. was between us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, um, no, I think that th that didn't really play a role. But then came that moment, and I, I don't know when to define that moment. Maybe when you were, when was that moment? When you were 20, maybe? And I was 24? I think when I started studying. When you were 19? Was you, were you 19 or 18? I was 18 when I started studying. 18? But I mean, I think it was, when I was 18, I was still very much my age. Yeah. 19, 20. 19, 20, then, right? You know, yeah. yeah. So 19, 20 for Kivalian, like 23, 24 for me, that's when somehow the pool of guys around us started to become very similar yeah. again. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's when these yeah. potential possibilities arose again. Yeah, I mean, I think the key 
I would say the biggest challenge when it came to relationships between us, and that of course also ties back to everything we talk about, about having experiences at the same time and everything, was the fact that I had been aware of the enticing qualities of being with someone and someone being interested in you mm. far earlier than most girls. Yeah. I remember by the age of like 10, I had completely understood the concept of a guy and a girl being with each other I hadn't understood the details about it. Like, you know, I'm not talking about sexually or not, but I'm talking about like energetically, yes. you know, yeah. someone showing interest in someone, being flirted with, uh, being kind of uh, having like a repartee going mm -hmm. on. Like I had been very aware of that. And I remember there was so long that I felt I had to wait before someone showed mm -hmm. me this type of interest because but, quite which actually wasn't long I mean you were 14 you were the same age as yes me, but it felt long because felt I was I yeah. was you know I was uh, it's in not the like company of so many yeah. situations like this yeah. something that true I mean from all the like positive things of being around older people being mature that is something that really I carried I think mm. negative things from that yeah because I felt unwanted at a time that it had nothing to do with me and everything to yeah. do with the fact that I hadn't gone through puberty yet, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. But I felt like it had to do something with me and it took me a very long time and, you know, many positive, normal experiences at appropriate ages to kind of get that negative stigmatization I had on myself, yeah. kind of get rid of it and be like, no, it had nothing to do that you weren't attractive or weren't desirable. It's just you were 12 and the other guys <laughs> were 17, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, of course. And, and it's totally natural. Actually, when I think about it now, I think it's astounding how seriously I was being taken by mm. some of our peers, but mm -hmm. they were actually far older. So I'm actually surprised the other yeah. way around. But I, I do think that we were in a field also where age didn't really yeah. play a role. I mean, of course, on some levels, but not that much. It was yeah. very normal for a, let's say, 15, 16 year old to hang out with a yes. 20 year yes. old. And also like bigger age differences yeah. going higher yeah. up yeah. were yeah. not uh, unusual just because we were connected through mm. something else, not by age, but mm -hmm. through music. So definitely, I think that I had like this kind of harder entry point to yeah. this whole topic. Yeah, I totally understand that. Um, but obviously the cure to all of that was when I started having normal experiences at the right yeah. times, you know, being aged at an age appropriate, <laughs> <laughs> being aged appropriately. It, of course, naturally it all went away. Yeah. And now, now, and now, of course, we are thinking from a far different standpo standpoint when it comes to jealousy about guys. Like we are far, far more secure and therefore able to be honest with ourselves. Yeah. Okay, so having spoken about that whole personal revelation, um, I wanted to talk about some more, like, more general abstract things. So I want to talk about jealousy connected to the fact that we are giving a guy more attention mm -hmm. than to each other. Oh, oh. Well, I mean, I don't know why this pops, uh, <laughs> it pops into my head immediately, but... I'm thinking of the my first relationship, course, yeah. my first serious relationship when I was 18 years old. I had my first boyfriend mm -hmm. that I was also living together with for... I was living with him, I think, for about two years. And I was together already a year before mm -hmm. that. And up to then, I never had had a serious boyfriend. No. Not no. at all. I mean, no. just like... Yeah. And um, up to then, I would say you were 
obviously the protagonist of my life. <laughs> and then he came along. And since he was also the first boy, of course, my attention mm -hmm. completely shifted to him. And I was totally consumed by him. And we would talk on the phone every night. And then when I was there, obviously, I was with and him. We would talk on the phone day. every night. I remember that quite well. Uh, <laughs> Go on. <laughs> and, and yeah, obviously I was like my my focus was on him. Yeah. And it, it's not like I had forgotten about you at all, yeah. but just compared to our usual super intense relationship, mm -hmm. of course it became mm -hmm. a bit less. And I remember that you you never really I, I at least I don't remember, but correct me if I'm wrong, you never really said anything until that one night when you somehow exploded. <laughs> and you, what happened was I was living with him in Hanover where I was studying at the university mm -hmm. and Kiveli, just like I had during school, was coming every weekend to study with that professor as a youth student who was still going to school. And she was she would always stay at our place, at our apartment. And so that time you were also supposed to stay at our apartment. Mm -hmm. And then I don't know what triggered it. I'm sure you're going to tell us in a second. because I, I don't, don't, I don't remember, remember it. it. I remember it like partially. Yeah but, yeah, but what happened was that basically Kiveli said that, you know, this like, I, I don't know, I, I don't love you anymore. I'm, I'm, I, you're not welcome anymore. And, you know, I'm just interested in him. And then you're going to stay at the hotel and you're just not even going to come. That's what I remember. Like, you're not going to spend the night there. Yeah. But I did end up spending the night there. Oh, did, did you? Yeah, yeah. Because I, okay, I, I, so it was only way, like an idea. To no, spend the way the night I the remember it, the fight happened at the university. It didn't okay. happen in at your place, and basically, I mean, it had been so many things together. It wasn't just the boyfriend. I mean, you had moved out that year, so there was suddenly like this incredible distance, you yeah. know, uh, between us, like physical, geographical distance between us, and I, I don't remember it very clearly. I remember the whole phase very clearly and I remember it had gone something along, along the lines of you had told me that it is not necessarily appropriate that I'm staying at your place every week ah, and because yeah. you know it's your relationship you're living with him or it's it's not uh, it's not self-evident that he would accept it which ah, I mean yes. is true <laughs> yes. because also our mom would yeah, come with us. I mean, it wasn't just Kiveli it was Kiveli and our mom that were visiting us every weekend so I, she was you were very in your our right student apartment <laughs> <laughs> you were very much in your right to to you know to say that and kind of that comment especially because you kind of lumped me together with our mother yeah and I was like okay, if that's how you feel, I don't want to stay at your place. Like, that's kind of what had happened. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, that was just a very, you know, in a nutshell, explosion moment. Yeah, yeah. Generally, of course, I remember that phase of the first time you had your focus somewhere else. And I think it's a very kind of common and, and normal natural. and natural experiences yeah. that siblings or very good so best friends go through when suddenly one of them has something so wonderful and beautiful in their life that has nothing to do with you you know with me like the it was someone else giving you all these beautiful and wonderful memories mm. and experiences and and I felt for the first time completely excluded because well, I, I was of course <laughs> from a very important part of your life and it was just and I was also again I was still very young I was it was the same like 16 15 16 age situation and from my very non-reflected perspective I was just like I felt betrayed you mm. know and but did did that go away as time progressed or was it like that throughout the entire relationship with him N no no it wasn't because 
I think about one year later, I had my first kind of long-term connection with okay. a guy. Okay, and that, that's when it went away. I don't think that's the reason it went away, okay. but it coincided with that. Yeah, yeah, so I think okay. that then... And also, I'd kind of started to get more used to living alone and that you weren't living with, with us anymore. Yeah. And many things eclipsed that. Also, the death of our first teacher yeah. happened then. So many things happened that kind of shifted our focus yeah. from that and it became more of a habit and it wasn't you know kind of the the the, the situation that it was like it wasn't yeah. something new anymore and then obviously when I when I started studying so much clicked and shifted that changed my life to like exponential positive uh, yeah. ways you know yeah. especially positive ways so a lot of the things that I hadn't quite understood why you acted a certain way became so clear to me when I started experiencing them in my own right yeah you know? and I think the problem was that the reason why I always was maybe intensified jealous or kind of had an issue with it is because my experiences simultaneously were not with my age group, but they continued to be with your age group. So it's the same, it's yeah. the same theme through everything, yeah. you know, the same source of, of, um, the challenges. Despair. Despair. Um, were you ever jealous of anything? I, I can only think of more friendships than, yeah. than boys. I mean, one boy, I remember when there was one boy you felt, but it also connects to the next question, but no, go, um, go ahead. Wait, which boy? Which boy are you talking about? I'm thinking of the boy who was uh, when he gave me a book to read, and I was reading it in summer. Oh yeah, that was a friend, a friend. Uh, like, yeah, I mean, but uh, it was yeah, yeah, a friendly, platonic yeah. boy. Sorry, my foot here is like I can't feel anything anymore. I'm trying to like massage life back into it without looking weird, but I literally like it's literally like a Lieutenant Dan right here. It's like nothing. Um, no, I mean, have I ever been jealous of anything with you concerning boys? I mean, concerning boys, I, I think I would have to say no. no. I don't think I've been jealous no. about anything. No. Um, even, I, I'm sure we're going to get into that, but like the same boy experiences that happened later on. Right. Even those, I think, were very, no. yeah. very, like, her, there was a lot of harmony between yes. us for yes. that. Yes. Um no, not really. I mean, yes, with that thing that you mentioned, that was just a friend, but yeah. a, a friend that was very important. I mean, if you haven't listened to our first episode where I talk about how Kiveli views friendship, <laughs> check it out, because Kiveli views friendship in a way that's more intense than what I would view a romantic relationship. <laughs> but I think that was the, was it the first time that you had such an intense friendship? Maybe. In a way... On that I think, level, I think I would actually, I mean, to this day, I would label this as your most intense friendship. Really? Yeah. I Maybe. mean, you, you, you're on the phone almost daily and you, and I just felt that everything that was connected with him, or that, that everything that you were doing was connected to him. I think that's what I, what I felt. And that's why, I mean, by the way, he's a great guy and actually <laughs> anything that inspires you from him is actually, it's good stuff. But yeah. I think in my mind, I was just thinking, okay, now you're doing this thing again, just because he told you so. Right. And this is what I found somehow like you were frustrating. You were worried. Yeah, yeah. Which links me perfectly to my next question, which is um, about how do we deal with a situation when we don't like... Ooh. A friend or a, like relationship, a partner, a mm. boyfriend, an interest. Well, I mean, maybe you should start talking sister. about that because you didn't like one of them. And I mean, 
You I mean, were right. Actually, no, the truth is that, okay, so Danai has had three relationships. Um, one of which... What three? What? <laughs> what? Did I say I something? Mean, four? I don't know. I Five? Mean, three? I don't know. Yeah, Three maybe. long-term. Three. Three long-term relationships. I Wait, love it. Am, am I right? No, no, you're am right. Am I missing yeah. something? No, no. Let's, let's go with that. Let's go with that. Are you hiding something from me? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> Is there a relationship I'm, I'm unaware about? I'm just thinking if we're counting them out here, then like that person might know exactly who we're talking about. Like, let's not be so precise about the number of my Anyway, Denise had relationships <laughs> in her life. <laughs> and one of them. And, and in one of them, it's, it wasn't that much that I didn't like the guy. To be honest, I always thought the guy was very funny and I had a good time with him and it was more that at some point I had realized that you had kind of a far more chronicle bad mood and short patience and uh, things like that I was noticing that you were generally in a less positive mood Mm -hmm. than I had been used to and I was noticing that it was always directed at like you were trying, you were putting so much effort into making the relationship work. And it obviously wasn't giving you the positivity that it should if you, you know, were yeah. putting so much effort in it. And I remember just trying to talk to you about it and you being defensive, cautiously <laughs> defensive, I would say. <laughs> Very defensive. Yeah, I mean, obviously. That relationship was a challenge. Um, <laughs> I think I, I don't want to put anything on on the guy. I mean, yeah. he is who he is and he was who he was from the start. Yeah. It's not anything that I discovered later on or anything like that. Um, I would just say he brought out something in me that I didn't like, that also wasn't good for me. Mm-hmm. And it was definitely a side that existed inside of me and that probably still exists inside of Mm -hmm. me. But some people just bring out these sides and he Mm -hmm. really triggered that side in me. Mm. And it really came to the surface in big ways. (laughs) And um, I I mean, in retrospect, I'm very grateful that I had this relationship because Mm -hmm. I learned a lot from it. And um, if I was now in such a relationship, I would navigate it so differently, probably wouldn't even get into it. But it was a very important experience for me. And it was also good to know that, you know, you knew before I knew that this wasn't good for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. No, I, but I thought, I think it's very interesting because I always ask you also now, if that situation were to come up again, how would you want me to tell you? Right. And, and I think the answer is I would want you to tell me. Tell you, but tell I me would everything. also have to expect that you would be... Could be, yeah. You know, yeah. Because yeah. I would say that the other way around... Hmm. I'm trying to imagine how I would react if you would be like, I don't like this person that you're together with. Yeah. I mean, I've been, I've told you that about friends. Yes. Yes. There was one friend, particular one I remember, of course, of course, that you had that um, I really didn't like and that I found was a really bad bad influence. influence. And I don't know how you felt when I, well, how did you feel when I said that? Obviously, in that moment, I I didn't want to take that into account. I think in both situations, there is a part of us, not particularly deep down, but a bit deeper down, that are aware that this relationship, or in my case, this friendship, represented something we needed to kind of live out Mm. in order to have it out of our systems or kind of go through that particular journey and then come out wiser on the Mm. other side. I think that, I mean, in my case, that friendship lasted a couple of months and then it was over. In your case, the relationship was a couple of 
the relationship happen because you don't want us to <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. default, like yeah, information. <laughs> but um, generally speaking, I think that if you were to... Okay, here's my, here's my real opinion. I'm afraid or I, I, I suspect that maybe if, you know, I'm totally in love or I'm totally smitten with someone, you coming and saying like, oh, I don't think he's a very good influence on you, my reaction would be something like, you don't understand, you don't know him yeah. the way I do, like the typical things. But I hope that because I've so often been on the other side of it where I have observed two people or one person I care about with someone who obviously was making that person unhappy or wasn't really appreciating that person properly and and I've tried to be the person to kind of tentatively you know uncover that a tiny mm -hmm. bit and I hope that because I've been on the other side of it I would be more receptive to it yeah but I think it's a very it's the hardest thing to do and it's the most also kind of um you know it's a very ungrateful task to go Because to a person you care about and be you know that person you love and you yeah. think is the person for you I, f I feel that he's really not good for you I you mean know? this is a hard task but also for the person that's in the relationship to actually seriously take that into yeah. account yeah. is also very hard because yeah. it's not only re-examining the person you're in a relationship mm. with but it's re-examining yourself mm -hmm. your choice because mm -hmm. for what reason whatsoever you chose that person to be in your life yeah. very yeah. importantly full time yeah and now you're like okay so that was maybe not the right choice yeah 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 no it's very difficult yeah and i think but it's important to have sis like sisters or whatever siblings yeah. close people yes um To, to help you out of a situation like that, mm -hmm. you know, to, I mean, in my case, in, in the end, actually, I just, out of my own yes. decision, yes. ended it. Yeah. Uh, that actually, you didn't, like, force me into it at all. It was just naturally coming to an end, that yeah. relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think if I was still together with him today, <laughs> uh, you, you really just start, sort of started yeah. to get But going. Can I ask, like, where is the boundary? Like, when is it also just sticking your nose in where it doesn't belong? You know, when do you have to just accept, okay, for whatever reason, she's choosing that person, time to get on the supportive train? I think, I, I would say if you've tried it multiple times. If you've tried if it... You've tried it like once, twice, you know what I mean? No, like, I mean, if you've... I mean, not just mentioning it, but if you've had actually serious, deep discussions mm -hmm. about it on multiple occasions, not just maybe when a problem was there, but also mm -hmm. when things are good, when things are bad, mm -hmm. you know, going through the entire emotional curve <laughs> right? on every part of right. that curve, yeah, yeah, yeah. you've discussed it and you see, okay, it's not going anywhere. Then it's mm -hmm. just like, I wouldn't even say I support you, but like, I accept it. I'm not going to be in the way of it. Mm -hmm. You do you. Let's see where this goes. If you change your mind, I'm here. Right, right, yeah, if you change your mind. It's one of my big, big problems, like this whole letting go and letting people I love make decisions where, I mean, I suppose it's kind of patronizing and arrogant to say where I know better, Yeah. but I feel like sometimes it's much easier to observe things in a more sober way when you're not attached to it emotionally. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's there have also been very good friends of mine, you know, part of the really, really good friends of mine, <laughs> where I've seen them fall for or be really interested or get um, kind of entangled with someone who made them more sad than happy. And I've also spoken to some of them, like, subsequently after it was over and said, like, you know, what could I have done? And 
more often than not, of course, the situation is that it was a necessary step. Like there is, it's not yeah. your business to, to not do it. It's your business to be there, be there when, you know, the calls come, the sad calls come and, it, and it's your business to be there. And if the other person's really not making, you know, them happy, at least maybe I can make them happy, you know? Yeah, like but this type of I think that's an important point. It's actually a necessary step. In mm. my case, I would definitely say it was a very necessary step and I came out such a different person. Yeah, yeah, of course. At the end of that relationship, having learned so much, I I mean, I definitely wouldn't be where I am, t- yeah, where I am today course. with who I am today yeah. with my children yeah. if it hadn't been for mm. that relationship. True, true, true. Um, okay, what is, in your opinion, the biggest shift of like perspective that, you, that you've had concerning either men or your interactions with men since, you know, you first started having experiences with them. So um, mm-hmm. let's just say how, you know, 16 years into the <laughs> male experiment, what are your insights? <laughs> um, so my, my biggest shift in how I perceive them or in no, how what I... what you've learned, okay. maybe. I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I think the number one thing that comes to my mind is when I started out as a young, I would say, insecure girl... Mm-hmm. Obviously, I thought that there are right and wrong things to do to, mm-hmm. um, you know, get attention, mm-hmm. to make someone happy, to be just, you know, be attractive, yeah. be right, and all these things. And as the years progressed slowly, really step by step, I realized that it's not about how I dress. It's not about, you know, when I, when I used to go out as a 16-year-old, I would really make myself super pretty. Now it's like I... It's not like I don't, you know, mm-hmm. like I want to look ugly, but I just, I go as Danai, as how I am mm-hmm. and just as myself. And I try not to play into the other person's, what I think he might like, what he might not like, but I'm, I try mm-hmm. as best I can be to be myself. And I've realized that actually that is the kind of confidence that is attractive. Mm-hmm. And also, of course, that is the base for any kind of valuable Mm-hmm. interaction mm-hmm. romantically or or non-romantically L- let me ask you about like it right immediately goes to the next one of the following questions i had because i i agree with you 100 but i also have i would say things that i think about that make it very difficult for me to accept that completely yeah you know yeah and it goes into Two, two, actually, two things that we can discuss together. The first thing is because you were talking about being yourself right. and everything mm-hmm. and, you know, just being confident and real and everything. The first thing is the question of promiscuity in girls in the 21st century mm-hmm. and how to navigate that. And then the second thing is kind of, date, kind of dating as a very extrovert, a more extroverted, confident competent geared woman like I think you and I both like to present ourselves and put our most competent foot forward where other girls might put you know a more shy shy or 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 maybe more like uh, optically focused foot forward we very much like to stress our intellectual side yeah. we don't always give the impression of like we need to be protected for exactly example. Yeah, and yeah. because when you were saying that you know boys what they really find attractive is the yeah. real and i agree with it i agree mm-hmm. that what boys really find attractive but there has always been this side of me and that's i think the thing that i've been struggling the most when i think about like interactions with boys is the other side of it where there is an objective 
um, I would say, an objective image of an attractive girl. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's not necessarily equivalent to the image of the perfect girlfriend, but more the perfect, maybe like hot woman um, or the perfect woman to seduce or all these things. But I feel that more and more nowadays, because of the very high pressure to present like perfect images through social media and because everything is so public and so everyone has a platform and things like that, that many boys have decided to forego meaningful relationships for more, I would say, uh, visually perfect relationships mm-hmm. and I'm not even talking about visually in terms of beautiful girls but also like very kind of non-offensive perfect kind of situations you can present so nothing that like kind of foregoing individuality mm-hmm. for ideal conformity yeah well and how do you feel that I mean how have you ever even thought about that has it been a problem or like an issue for you or I think I mean just going from myself I think that Let's say I met uh, a boy and then I get that vibe from him or I see, okay, he's actually interested in that mm-hmm. and he lays more value on that than I would for myself just immediately say, then he's obviously not the right boy for me. And I think just this fact would make me also kind of lose interest because mm-hmm. if you're not interested in, as you say, like competence or a confident woman, but you're interested in, you know someone who is beneath like you like I mean consciously looking for that then it's like okay it's totally fair and Mm -hmm. totally fine and I think there are many girls that also look for this kind of protector Mm -hmm. and everything but then it's not the guy that I'm looking for and I'm totally fine I think accepting that Mm -hmm. the way Mm -hmm. it is Mm -hmm. and um I think both both these things exist and I'm just looking for the people that are interested in me the way I am. Also because uh, because you mentioned the visuals. Mm-hmm. Actually, I wanted to say the second thing that I've realized in my uh, yeah. 16 years of <laughs> boys' experience um, is actually that how looks play a smaller role as mm-hmm. time progresses. Mm-hmm. And... Of course, when I just like when I just started thinking about boys, looks were almost I would say number one mm-hmm. on the list, mm-hmm. and I thought, okay, he's handsome, he's hot, perfect. And then as I was getting older, looks became less and less and less important. Of course, there is that first attraction yeah. that mm-hmm. is connected to looks, yes. But I mean, how often have we had the situation where there's a gorgeous person and then they start talking and you're like, okay, of goodbye. Course, of course, and also of vice course, versa. Yeah. There's someone you didn't even like, didn't even catch Absolutely. your attention and then he starts talking and you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's also a fact that girls, as we spoke about earlier today, are much more, I would say, cerebrally stimulated and oh. therefore much more, I wouldn't say much more into character, but are definitely... I would say put looks and character at least on the same level yeah. from the earliest. Much, of course, I would character, say character above much looks. higher. And, but yeah. I would say also in terms of first impressions. Yeah. And I think boys gear their first impressions far more visually than girls do. Yes. And that might, and, yeah, yeah. and I mean I find it interesting because obviously the type of relationship you want is one based on character and values and not based on looks or on like, you know, kind of the the how other people could perceive the relationship, obviously. At the same time, I find, you know, sometimes that I do, I would say as a single person, I do sometimes worry that 
how am I going to phrase it? It's difficult to say because I don't act on it. I do still absolutely kind of uh, present myself from my more character intellectual yeah, side. Yeah. But there are, uh, there, there are, I would say there are times that I wish I could pull off the more, you know, mm -hmm. bashful, shy yeah. girl thing. But I don't think this would get you anywhere. I mean, <laughs> it, I, it would, it, I, I mean, like, get you anywhere in terms of happiness. Because I think, you know, no, of, course of course it would get not. you of into a... Not pseudo um, romantic relationship yeah. but I don't think it would make you happy at all because of you course. would either have to remain in that role which is totally not it's, you it's, it's not an, yeah. a strategy worth yeah. considering yeah. I'm just saying that I think it's interesting because it's something that I've become more aware of yeah. now because I think it's something that's more prevalent now Because yeah. of Instagram and all these things. For sure. And I also think, you know, it also depends on the type of guy. Yeah. Obviously. You know, and there is a type of guy that lays much higher value in it. And as you said, these are not the type of guys for exactly. us. Exactly. And it's yeah. important, which I mean, you've also never done, but it's important not to settle. You yeah. Know, not to oh, settle. Yeah. Like you, the, <laughs> the most. Have <laughs> the, the most important relationship that you have is, is the, the one, one with, with yourself. yourself. Exactly. And it's true. And yeah. if that no, one is it. not uh, one that is looked after and one that is mm -hmm. working out well, then nothing else is going mm -hmm. to work out well. And if you're with the wrong guy, like I have been, then the relationship with yourself falls yes. into all kinds of yeah. pieces. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing, the other question that I'd ask that we haven't addressed yet is the question of promiscuity. Yeah, so do you mean girls being promiscuous or what exactly do you mean when you say promiscuity? I mean kind of because I can't tell you exactly in how I was framing the question I remember that when we were growing up and I don't know if it was just me or if it was also you that I remember for some reason thinking that promiscu promiscuity in girls somehow was an empowering thing that it was a good mm -hmm. thing that the more guys you had slept with as a girl or you had been with as a girl kind of the more desirable that made you because it meant that more guys obviously had been interested in you That's and really I remember that I mean this was at a time where I had never been with a guy yet so yeah, yeah, yeah. It, when I mean growing up like as a 16 17 year old girl I remember that when guys would uh I would flirt with guys I would always for some reason believe that it was cool to come off as experienced, as experienced and yeah. open and, and 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 things like that and I don't know why that is. I don't know. But I, rem I, yeah. I remember it was kind of a shift of perspective for me when I was about 1920 to realize that, hang on, <laughs> the other thing, you know, that, that there needs to be a balance to it. Yeah. You know, I mean, to be honest, I think that at least in the society that we grew up in and in the circles that we were moving, and I don't mean necessarily the musicians circles, I mean more like you know, where we went to school and this type of thing. I think that was my feeling that there was kind of like this perfect in-between that you had mm. to have as a girl. If you had nothing, you're a bit of a loser because you were just boring. If you had too much, you were a slut. That was also not good. But if <laughs> It wasn't boring. <laughs> but if you had like a couple of things, mm. then you were obviously desirable and attractive, but also smart enough not to take everything that and was coming your way. And that's, I think, the way. perfect seesaw that is kind of the definition of what girls need to pull off in our yeah. day, right? You need to yeah. kind of pull off having lots of offers, 
but right. not saying yes to all of them. Right. I mean, which, by the way, I find just crazy that this is what is expected. I mean, I think there is absolutely nothing wrong mm-hmm. in having your first love, your high school sweetheart and being together until yeah. you're 80 years old. I think that's absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. And I think there is also absolutely nothing wrong in having a hundred partners if that's what makes you happy. Absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. But it's interesting. And the, the but wrong you're right, thing... This is what is expected. Yeah, this is what yeah. is expected. And... I think it's interesting to talk about because the trap you can fall into, and I think I'm very thankful that I didn't fall into it, and I actually really thank the first boy I was <laughs> kind of with for for a couple of years who kind not he he didn't stop me from doing other things, but because I was so smitten with him, I didn't I wasn't interested in doing anything yeah. with with, yeah. with anyone else. So uh, because of that, kind of I was old enough to then reflect on it, mm. but I. I think it's very, the the trap that you might fall into is because you kind of feel like you have to prove to yourself that you have many offers to kind of find validation in doing things you otherwise wouldn't. And also, I think there is a danger that you do things too early or also, you know, in the wrong way, in a way that you're later going to regret just to have done them. I mean, I was in this situation because I was generally a bit late to everything mm-hmm. also like late to my first time and mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. um and there were situations where I just thought okay do I just need to somehow like get this over with right now yeah and yeah. I- I'm also very happy that it didn't happen like that thankfully but it happened just the way it was supposed to yeah. with like an actual boyfriend yeah. and yeah. that yeah. you know yeah. things were happening for a long time before that but I think that the, the danger is absolutely there and mm-hmm. I remember being in my school class and so many girls had already done all this stuff and I was there like not having having done done it and I couldn't really participate in the discussions and I was just trying to be cool and like pretending that I knew stuff from stories also, but yeah, yeah, it was, it was uncomfortable. (laughs) And I also remember, and of course that is, those are the things, those are the discussions I believe that girls need to have with each other or, you know, sisters need to have with each other because I also was quite, I had my first time quite late the same age as you, we both had our first time with 18. Yeah. But I was already studying with 18. And I remember in the first months where I was studying and I was still a virgin. And I, I thought to myself, I was so kind of worried about the fact that I hadn't had my first time and I was already studying. It seemed so different from all the movies I had seen mm-hmm. and things like that. But my really good friend at the time told me like in, in, you know, super secret that she was also a virgin. And I remember I was so relieved and, and, you know, it's, it's important, I think as girls to remind ourselves that your worth is absolutely not connected to the amount of attention you get from guys. Yeah. Not at all. And And not if you are or you're not. It's easy to believe that. Like I know it in my core and still sometimes a, a certain comment or lack of a comment from someone can either make or break my day. Mm. And I don't know if you feel that as well. I feel like I'm kind of more susceptible to this kind of seeking validation. And and again, it's a totally non-mental response. There is never a day where I, I wake up and I'm like, oh, I probably am not good enough for this person mm. and, and someone better would have that person's attention or anything like that. But there is like this almost like on a, on a, on a DNA level, if someone you like shows you a spark of interest, your whole body just 
gets mm-hmm. those endorphins like out. Somehow. I don't know what it is, dopamine. It's definitely not <laughs> serotonin. But I think it's like dopamine or endorphin is just like whoosh, oh my God. I might mate someday, you know, like it's that, it's that reaction. And, and it's so important to kind of remind ourselves that worth is not connected to male attention. Yeah, yeah, and I think all. it's something that girls instinctively are somehow taught by their surroundings that that is yeah, the way I it mean, is. I mean, by society, if you, of Likes course, and if you look at and social media anyway, where the perfect girl is the one that gets a lot of likes and that dresses super sexily and attractively and all mm-hmm. that or i mean just at the ads on tv mm-hmm. uh, at the bus stop anywhere are these mm. perfectly attractive women that men look at because yeah. they are so attractive yeah. and of course we aspire towards being that yeah which is completely unrealistic because also these girls don't even look like that yeah they are photoshopped into looking yeah, yeah, like yeah, that yeah. so of course everything about this is unrealistic yeah. and it doesn't help yeah. uh the the psychological yes. well-being of a girl and boys alike of course just to your answer your question i mean i think that on a very basic level of course everyone gets satisfaction from attention from the gender that they like (laughs) um but i think that especially for me um since i had a family things have really fundamentally changed i mean my focus is so different. It has yeah. shifted so much that, yes, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm sad because I'm getting attention. Yeah. Of course not. But it's really not my yeah, main course. my main focus. Yeah. It's it's there. Yeah. It's not there. I really don't, don't care about yeah, it. Yeah, no, of course. Of course. I get it. Especially with young kids. It's a whole, yeah. whole different thing. And the other thing that I kind of think of a lot when, when I think about like this whole feeling... Uh, like you're worth something because of that aspect mm. of your character, like how desirable you are to the opposite or same sex, whatever your preference, um, is the fact that I think it's so important to um, kind of have achievements in your life you can be proud of. I, many times when I, I, I think of, and maybe that is also ignorant or unfair of me, but I'm just very honestly stating it. Many times when I think of this stereotypical girl that, you know, gets all her worth from the Instagram likes and mm-hmm. uh, gears her entire being towards finding guys that kind of approve of what she does mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. someone to protect her and things like that. I think of someone who has not yet dared to ask herself, what does she want to achieve in life? Mm-hmm. It's not that she cannot achieve something. It's not that she's only capable of that. Everyone is capable of greatness if you find your niche of, of what you're great at, you know? And I think that many, that, that the, the antidote to all this dysfunctional relationship to trying to get worth through, through things like that is focus on something that is important to you and that is in your control. Yeah. And having said that, I I totally agree with you, but I just think it's important to say that it is also okay if you are looking to be protected. I mean, I think everyone in us is is looking for some kind of protection. I also want to be protected. I'm I'm more talking about, you know, the girl that if she doesn't get more than, say, 200 likes on the picture, 
her day is over, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and, and it, it really shouldn't be over yeah. because there is nothing, you know, there is not th that kind of the, the, the meter of likes, unless you're getting like your finances over that, unless <laughs> that's like your income and it's like, you know, $200 less or something. <laughs> there, there is nothing that it, it says about you. I mean, yeah. most of it has to do with, with weird algorithms or, or things like that. So basically what, what I'm thinking of more and more is that because I, I see a lot of it like geared to boys, like kind of, you know, you have to do something, you have to earn money and provide for, your, provide for your future wife and your family. And boys have this kind of very instinctive thing of like, they get, they get their worth from, for example, how much money they have or how much they can afford to, you know, spend on a girl or on a car or on a house or something like that. And, and girls is like kind of an, an added bonus to that whole thing. Um, and, I think it should be the exact same thing with girls. For sure. You know? For sure. Be able to provide for your family in the future. You know, have that as a goal. Find something that is really meaningful to you. Because many times, for example, for me, um, I notice that when I've played a really good concert, the next week, nothing in that situation can influence me. Like, yeah. And do you know what's so funny? I don't know if that, like, ever... If, if that's kind of perspective or if it's kind of, you know, this, what you give into the universe comes back. Mm -hmm. But whenever I'm having like a, a high in my career, that's when things start happening. That's when suddenly this one guy that I was interested in three months ago kind of texts me and starts, you know, like uh, the law of striking up the law of attraction. Yeah. It's so funny. And, or, you know, suddenly like you get that spark back with someone. It's yeah, so you're interesting. you're also exuding no need. You're, exactly. you're not needy. Exactly. You're not this insecure yeah. something looking for attention, but you're super content with yourself. Yeah. The relation with yourself is totally going yeah. well. And of course people are like, okay, wait a minute. I want to be a part of that. Yeah. I want to be this but happy. But the interesting thing is that sometimes it's almost, it cannot be correlated because the fact that you're having a career high in, I don't know, in Cologne is not known <laughs> to the guy who's right now in, I don't know, Athens or something like yeah. that, you know? Yeah. So it's it's this weird synchronicity thing that's yeah. going on, which, which is a whole other level. But I'm just saying, like, it works. When you're yeah. happy with yourself, when you're doing something that um, gives meaning to your life, the things that you can't control yeah. lose significance. Yeah, so. I mean, whenever someone asks me, how can I get this or this person, no matter if it's a guy or a girl, I always say... You know, work on your interests, work on yeah. your hobbies, on yeah. your career, on everything. Meet up with your friends, create a perfect life for yourself because yeah. then many people will want to yeah. be a part of that. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. That is totally true. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a very difficult, a difficult perspective to hold. Yeah. Because the more you want something, the harder it is to remember that getting it or not getting it doesn't define your happiness. Mm. Because in that moment, it does define your happiness. But the sun will come out tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The next question. Ah, I find... Because, okay, that's an interesting question I wanted to ask you. Um, it has to do with the, like, career relationship family balance. Mm -hmm. And especially from the perspective of a female yeah. artist, a female person. Yeah. Um, how do you f feel about this whole topic? And how has it changed, obviously, since you have had yeah. kids? I mean, first of all, I think it's interesting. I, I get this question a lot, of course. Of course. Uh, in interviews and things like that, how I do it as a young mother of two and my career. I think it's interesting that 
all the women that have kids and that keep on working are asked that. Mm -hmm. And guys have been having kids for many, many years <laughs> and have been also working and also being very involved at home with the kids and have never been asked how mm -hmm. they manage to juggle these two things. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, of course, it's coming off of the whole traditional thing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, but um, I mean, having said that, I personally am someone who... Uh, likes to be and wants to be also in the future extremely involved mm -hmm. in the life of my kids. Mm -hmm. I don't want to just leave them somewhere for the entire day and then see them for two hours mm -hmm. in the evening. I really love them. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> I really love them and love to spend time with yeah. them. And and I must say at, th at this point, there is nothing that makes me happier than mm -hmm. spending time with them. At the same time, I'm also someone, as you know, who really needs to have fulfillment from what I do, from, which is, in my case, playing the piano and everything connected to that whole music world. And I, I, I think it would be hard for me to, sur to survive without that. I think mm -hmm. I couldn't do that. I need that in, or, in order to be a balanced person for myself, in order to mm -hmm. feel like I'm creating something. So I really need both things. And this means that... I really need to manage my time very well. And I mean, as you know, because you're living with me, my day is always pretty packed mm -hmm. right now. Um, and I really plan my day out hour by hour and really know, okay, this is my, mm. going to be my window to practice and there is no room for just uh, chilling or doing mm -hmm. anything. I really have to go then and practice. And then I work long evenings, long nights when the kids are sleeping. Mm -hmm. I might sleep a little less than I'm supposed to yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I also know that this is a phase yes. this is not forever this is a phase of a couple of years and then things are going to be different again so um, I mean I have to say I mean I, I have said it many times but I find it remarkable what you hmm. pull off with, with <laughs> like this this balance kids and, career, and kids and career and what I find especially remarkable is not just the time management which you know is it's okay you can do you can sit down you can kind of cram do a to-do list and everything but it's more the emotional dedication you are able to have despite any anxiety that you know to might the come kids. up to the kids mm. like whenever you're with the kids no matter what is happening, whether you have got to learn, you know, an entire piece by tomorrow and you can only start practicing after they're in bed or something like that. When you're with them, you're patient, you're in a good mood, you're pleasant, you're present, pleasant and present. <laughs> and, um, and I find that really remarkable. And I don't know yeah. if there is anyone else that you could do that for than Oh, then. definitely not. <laughs> and and I don't know yeah. if it is the mother's love or whether you have kind of you know kind of trained yourself or whether no, it came I, naturally I think, to you. I think it's the, I think it's the mother's love. I think that you know it's the same reason why you keep loving them so much even after you know you've been up all night. <laughs> you wouldn't be like that with somebody else. But mm -hmm. no, I think it's the mother's love and. Uh, to be honest, it's it comes very naturally, this, you know, being mm -hmm. in a good mood mm -hmm. and being present with them no matter what happens, because in a way they take my mind off the stress-inducing yeah. things. Yeah. When yeah, I'm yeah. with them, it's like, you know, time stands still. Mm -hmm. It's literally the most important thing in my life and nothing can really mm -hmm. divert my attention from it. And yes, of course, when then the time comes, I'm like, okay, now yeah. it's time to spring into action. But I think in a way they're helping me, you know, they're mm -hmm. helping me get through stressful situations because number one, I have these 
moments, not moments, but long hours of calm with them. It's so interesting. You and call it calm. Yeah. But I, yeah. I get what you mean, internal I'm, calm. My mind is yeah. calm. My, my mind is not focusing around all right. the things I have to do. So I have these moments of calm with them. And then the second thing is they are also a constant reminder of what's actually important in, in life. Mm-hmm. Because this is something that I was missing, I think, before I had kids. Before I had this kids. Perspective. Yes. I, I, I thought that, you know, if I mess this career thing up, then... Like literally my life is over. Mm-hmm. And now I know that, of course, I don't want to mess it up. But I know that if I mess it up, I still have my kids. I mean, nothing is over. Right. I still right. have right. happiness. Mm-hmm. And that was such a shift for me and such an important perspective. So I really feel like as stressful as it might be at times, it's like, they're helping me. They mm-hmm. are really making my life so much better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I... I find it absolutely amazing. I mean, uh, and and I notice it, I notice it especially like in the situations where I feel that I have got lots to do Mm. and where I like, I don't know, I'm on the go and I have to leave and catch that train and where I feel that my mind kind of zips down. I'm like, okay, in super efficient mode. Mm. And that when then they come and they want to like, you know, open a package or something, I mean, I also immediately feel so grateful to have their, you know, pure attention on me, but it's just for these 10 minutes Yeah, and you do it every day, all yeah. the time, every, yeah, yeah. every day, each day, all day, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I, I, I mean, I find it really amazing. But having and said that, maybe we should mention also because it's about relationships, the <laughs> relationship that you have as an aunt with your two nephews <laughs> is also very remarkable. I mean, I, I don't think I know any other aunt, like in our family, definitely not. And yeah. um, also in, I think in the circle of friends, I, I can't think of anybody that has such a close relationship. <laughs> of course, we also live together, so yes. that makes yeah, it yeah, even stronger. But yeah. even before that, yeah, I mean, yeah. They, it's super close. I really do feel that you love them like they're your own kids. I I, I do love absolutely. <laughs> at the, at, at the same time, I like I never want to say like they're my own kids because I I cannot still yeah. imagine that that. But I I was I, I will never forget that first pregnancy t- pregnancy test you did yes. um, for your first child. And that I remember my whole worldview changed. Yeah. Because I just remember that we had that stick in our hands, or you had, I don't remember who was holding it. You <laughs> I were think holding I was it. Holding it. <laughs> <laughs> Afterwards, put the cap on already. <laughs> Anyways, and like suddenly, like that second line, it was one of those like plus minus situations. Yeah. And suddenly, like that second line appeared. And I remember I looked like, in, in, on your stomach that looked exactly like <laughs> the minute before and like everything that was outside of the universe suddenly was like not comparable to the amazingness and I was just like oh my god something's it's happening there. In there yeah and it's so difficult to explain I don't think I had realized it at that moment but I, I remember at that I was just like I it it, it, it I already felt like the child was yeah. existing. I mean, it, it did exist, arguably, <laughs> but it was amazing. It was amazing. So um, I totally understand that. <laughs> and the other thing that I, I, I was thinking while I was actually writing down this question is the fact that you would absolutely prioritize your kids over your career. Yeah. But I'm not sure you would have prioritized any relationship over your career. Yeah, I, think. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't. Have. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's true. 
Because, I mean, my career has always played a very mm -hmm. big role in my... And still does. Mm -hmm. <laughs> still plays an important role in my life. And I had actually this conversation with... Especially with my first boyfriend. Because mm -hmm. I remember he, we were discussing something like a trip or something. And I was like, no, I can't. I mean, I have this concert coming up. And he's like, yeah, but, you know, we're also together. And yeah. for me, in that moment, it was the first time I even contemplated it because before that it wasn't even a question it wasn't even like mm -hmm. a perspective I had to mm -hmm. actually do something for a relationship instead of the yeah. career yeah, yeah so yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean I, I definitely was too career focused mm. maybe but um no with my kids of course it's it's different yes absolutely um Let me see. Okay. I have one actually, one very interesting question, also conversation that we've had, which is how do you feel about dating specifically in the artistic space, mm. especially how other people perceive artists yeah. and their romantic lives? I, so often I've had the experience that people who are not musicians or who are not connected to kind of the artist industry, um, they... Two, two things. I think they have this expectation of everything being wild mm -hmm. and, and steamy and passionate and kind of uncompromising. And on the other side, which I mean, obviously is an, is an over, I would say over exaggeration. I mean, there is the an situation. element of truth there, but there is an element yeah. of it. And on the, on the other side, I also think that many things that I consider to be totally normal and not outrageous uh -huh. when other people see it or, or observe it. For example, I'm thinking specifically in a festival setting, we are all, we know, we, we invite the musicians to, to Molivos, which is the village where we, where we come from originally. And then obviously within the festival time, we interact with them in what we find to be a very normal and <laughs> I would say uh, artistically natural way. <laughs> But and I think that's actually averagely totally not the normal way. So how, what do you think about that? I mean, I mean, I think that it's definitely true that things within the artistic circle are freer mm -hmm. I would say freer um also due to the fact that the life has such a different pace you travel a lot you meet different people all the time mm -hmm. you have these intense experiences mm -hmm. together on stage all this results in the fact that things happen faster mm -hmm. I think that's also just a fact in mm -hmm. the entertainment industry things happen faster than if you are at an office where you see the same people yes. every day in a very professional setting yeah. because also part of our job is to then go to the restaurant after the concert and socialize and mm -hmm. all these things mm -hmm. and of course this has a different kind of energetic yeah. level than and being also at the office. making music together is such an intimate experience yes I mean it's it's uh, to be honest I find <laughs> so much similarities in the qualities that make good chamber music and the qualities that make good love good, making good love making yeah. I mean because it's both nonverbal communication yeah a no, lot, absolutely and kind of being able to you know to respond to cues to from read the other, the person, other person to read the other yeah, person yeah, yeah. And, and and also I mean despite that it's it is a very intimate and yeah. you're both vulnerable it's you know you, you you're playing that piece together you're on that high of having performed together so i definitely think that there is truth to it my second question also be do you think it's healthy yeah that's a very good question um i mean i think that 
it's not a coincidence that many relationships fail mm -hmm. within the entertainment industry and not just, you know, classical music yeah. in general. Yeah. Because I feel like it's very hard to have a sustainable relationship mm -hmm. in this industry. Mm -hmm. um, first, because of everything that we mentioned yeah. just before, but also you because... You feel close to so many people so quickly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Also because, you know, the lives are so irregular. You don't see each other mm -hmm. on a regular basis. The one has a tour there. The other one has a tour there. And what I find to be a big thing is there are always two loves in your life. There is the person you yeah. love and there is the activity you love. The, yeah. You always have to share them yeah. with their passion for, for the art. Yeah. yeah, it's true. And and I think your your life changes a lot. So it's very hard to have a sustainable relationship. And I only know very few relationships where both are musicians mm -hmm. that actually are, you know, real long-term mm -hmm. relationships mm -hmm. um, that, that somehow have found a common ground that works yeah. well. Yeah. Um, and actually for me, I don't know how it was for you, but for me growing up, I always said, I cannot imagine not being with a musician yeah. or at least an artist. But I think I was actually always limiting it to musician. Yeah. Like I always thought whoever I'm with, It has to be a musician yeah. because who else is going to understand mm -hmm. me and my life? And a uh, little spoiler, I'm not with a musician <laughs> now. And I, I had never put that limit, I would say, on myself. What I find interesting is that I also always thought that I was attracted to this, you know, absolutely passionate living for the moment, the art and the art of loving and all these things like type of man. And I always thought that that's what I would find most attractive. And the truth is that the men I found most interesting represented the opposite. They represented mm -hmm. stability. They represented being much more sensible than I was. Mm -hmm. And again, I would not exclude any candidate based on, you know, their passion, whether it is yeah. law or music <laughs> or medicine or business or something totally different. I don't know. Um, but... There is something in innately romantic about this artistic approach to love that I cannot say that I'm not attracted to, yeah. you know, on some yeah. level. It is very romantic. It is this kind of, you know, everything. All or nothing. All or nothing. All or nothing everything, approach. you know. Yeah. And... And I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know who I'm going to end up yeah. with in the end. I... I fear, though, that because I find it so innately attractive and at the same time, I also find it to be not necessarily the healthiest form of a mm -hmm. relationship, I fear that that could lead to challenges in my future. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, I have to say that, you know, my heart has always chosen more... I would say guys that that don't exude that you know insane amount of of whirlwind present a presence type mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. So maybe my heart just knows better than my mind. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there is there and I don't know there is something very attractive about it. Yeah. And I keep coming back to whenever you know we watch these these movies about these artistic biographies with these relationships like his one true love. But there were also, of course, 25 other women. But there was this one true love and the drugs and the everything and everything <laughs> coming together. And it is like from it's so clear how dysfunctional it is. It's a super unhealthy relationship. But well, the ideal that yes. it is aspiring to 
is yes. somehow admirable. Yeah. It's aspiring Why? to this but ideal of yeah. ultimate love of I accept you exactly the way you are just because you are this yes you yes. know this person full and, of life but and, i think it's it's also important to remember it is not something to aspire to. I have no. to remind myself yes. again and again, yeah. it really is not something to aspire to. There is no true long lasting happiness that can come from something like that. From something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> um all right. Okay, and the last question would be what advice would you give me and you know on the other side what advice would I give you right now in terms of relationships? Mm-hmm. Oh wow. So you can start. Um okay, okay. I have to think about that. Maybe you start because I still have to think about mine. Okay. Um I mean, I feel that I've never seen you happier in a relationship than you are now and that's a good sign I think <laughs> and I thankfully and I also I, so I also think that you know it's it's not like if, as if you were single and I would be like yeah and the yeah. next time think about that the only thing that I always keep uh, thinking is a running theme when I think about what advice I could give you is that this kind of letting yourself be truly vulnerable mm-hmm. and to me vulnerability also comes with kind of losing control a bit and having voluntarily not one of my strong suits (laughs) losing control voluntarily choosing experiences and conversations and situations where control is not guaranteed Mm -hmm. um and and also you know kind of choosing indulgence over conscientious decision something that most people do not need to hear because it comes Mm -hmm. natural to most people but you know like kind of letting go of the space in your mind where everything is proper and everything is kind of tied to good consequences and getting to that part of yourself where consequences don't matter just because for you you're you're so in control and everything is going so you know on a disciplined right track that you can afford to kind of balance it out with experiences that lead you more to your freudian id and things like that because um yeah i think that there is lots to discover in that realm as well and whether you choose to go into that realm on a sexual level on a more experience level on a um, you know, having a very vulnerable conversation with your partner well, doesn't matter, but just consciously also pursuing that because the other thing comes very natural to you. Yeah, interesting. Um, well, I think my advice would be more of an encouragement and it mm-hmm. ties back to what we were already talking about mm-hmm. in this episode to basically like stay true to yourself, to basically encourage you to tell you that I think that you're very much on the right path that you know there's nothing (laughs) that needs to change actually Mm -hmm. um and although sometimes you know it might seem like what you said that you know maybe it would be easier Mm. to pretend to be something but actually I think you wouldn't do yourself a favor at all so basically just keep going just the way you are (laughs) because you're amazing (laughs) just the way you are (laughs) just the way you are Girl, All right. Okay. So now let's get to the last segment, which is we each tell a story about each other 
Yes, exactly. Well, you you go first. Basically, I wanted to uh, talk about one very famous story from my perspective, <laughs> which is the famous story of Danai's first date in the village. <laughs> in the village disco, I would call it. Yeah. And you must have been beach like... Beach club. Beach club. You must have been 15, I would say. Yeah, something like this, 15 or so 16. I was 11. And... The whole situation was very... I, for some reason, I felt like I was a part of a date, which I really wasn't. <laughs> I absolutely was not at all part of the date. But in my mind, it was happening to both of us. And I remember it was this one waiter from the restaurant that we would go to every evening. And he was, like, really cute. And I don't know how old he was. So in any case, um, you had kind of said you'd go to, you would meet each other at the beach club. And so we went to the beach club. And I have to say it was you, me, and a friend of yours yeah. was also there. And then we you were all sitting at the bar and we were kind of all desperately awaiting the arrival <laughs> of this boy. <laughs> and then he arrived wearing one of the more flattering costumes <laughs> known to man. The sleeveless look. <laughs> the muscle shirt. And I remember even before we said this, we were like, imagine if he's wearing a muscle shirt. And he was. And in he walked with a white muscle shirt. It was tragic. But he was so really cute looking. Yeah, Let's face it, was it cute. didn't take away anything from the excitement. No, no. So in any case, you know, I and her friend respectfully go away and I'm thinking like, I'm totally part of this. You know, I'm going away. I'm giving them space. I'm wing, woman wing womaning the hell out of the situation and so you're you know you're talking to him you're like sipping on your drink you're doing all the cute little poses and everything and then a song comes on a song that we both loved and we had like kind of dubbed our song which was I want to dance with somebody by Whitney Houston and I thought to myself oh my god it's our song I'm gonna go ahead and share my excitement <laughs> with you so with all my grace that I had, <laughs> you were sitting at the bar, I, I decided to walk up to you, slam your body to the back, <laughs> kind of do like this little, you know, you know, this like picture of the kiss post yeah. Second World War. I decided to engage in that pose with you and be like, deny our song. And I expected what I would read on your face would be excitement, like, <gasps> Yes, it's our song. Let's go dance. <laughs> to my confusion, <laughs> the face staring at me was displaying horror. <laughs> and it was more like... <laughs> I was like, okay, shall we dance a bit later? And literally you said like, yeah, maybe not now. And then I was like, but it's our song. And you're like, yeah, maybe not now. Can you please go now? And I was like, super confused. <laughs> propped you back up in a, into a vertical <laughs> position, <laughs> walked away slightly offended, and then on the way home confronted you, why didn't you dance with me when our song came on? <laughs> I don't even remember what you said, but I did not understand it at all. <laughs> so I wanted to use this platform to officially apologize to you for this wonderful little moment. That I think must it's, have it's felt, up there in the good memories. <laughs> it must have felt so good to you. <laughs> it was a good one. It was a good one. Um, yeah, I don't think I missed out on, on a lot on that amazing date. Um, yeah, okay. I think I, I've now thought of like two little stories okay. I want to tell. 
one story also is in Monibus. Mm-hmm. And um, it was with that said tragic experience, the boy, the, the first right. boy that ruined our relationship for <laughs> two days. Um, and it was before everything happened. And I remember that on that day, you weren't feeling particularly well. I know the story. But of course, that was not going to stop us from, you know, finding him and not. everything, talking to him. And yeah. so we... You were really kind of out of it, but still like going there. So then we we found him in that bar with his friends. We I actually think at that point it wasn't even if we were looking for the, the pare. Yeah, we were looking the, 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 pare, the, 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 group, the group, the group, the group, the, group, friend, the yeah. gang for the exactly. gang. Exactly, yeah. it wasn't like that was the first thing something started with it. That's so right. It wasn't even, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And and then we found them and we were sitting with them, talking with them, and I I remember you sitting on his lap. Is that true? Like something was happening. You were very close to him. Or he had his arm something around like you. That. Yeah, something yeah. like this. Yeah, yeah. And. And you were definitely loving it. I remember from that position where I knew that you were having the time of your life right now, <laughs> you told me in, in German, because that was yeah. our secret language with those Greek boys, um, you said that I would have to leave right now or I'm going to puke on him. <laughs> and, and I was like, whoa, okay. So we literally momentarily left the bar and started to go this kind of long walk back to our house because from the harbor to our house I would say you walk about 10 minutes 15 well yeah yeah 15 20 minutes kind of uphill Mm -hmm. and we started walking and suddenly Kiveli just turns around I mean the second we left their view basically yeah yeah, the 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 second second we we took the curve yeah and really pukes (laughs) Big time <laughs> into the yeah like basically across the wall into the water it was very oh spectacular. And, I remember and that yeah and you spent the entire night I think in a not not very, in bed not very comfortable <laughs> position. But next day it was it was fine. It was one of those yeah, things. Yeah, I just had food poisoning or I don't know something yeah, yeah. like that. I yeah. remember that. But that was it was funny. And the other story that I just <laughs> thought of, which I don't know if you even remember it, but it um, involves that. One boyfriend of mine wanted to come to Greece and we were thinking of a way to manage to pay for this flight. Oh. And because I don't know if he somehow didn't have the money for the flight or what it was, but what happened in the end, which was actually super like yeah. cool of you, is you ended up giving up your miles right. from your miles and more card in order for him right. to book a flight to be in Greece, like super short notice, unplanned. Mm. We were already in Greece and you, and you said, okay, he can use my miles. And then he flew on your right. miles to Greece and spent, I think, two or three weeks even with us. Yeah, like kind yeah, of yeah. a long time in Greece. And we were right. on the holiday together. Yeah. And that was like, you know, sister coming to the sister rescue. Coming to the rest. One has to say that I don't think I have ever spent a single mile consciously because <laughs> this whole like mile system hasn't really found its way. You must have a lot of miles accumulated then. Probably. Yeah, you should book some free flights. Maybe, is there a boyfriend you want to find to Greece? <laughs> Maybe you should book a free flight for yourself now. <laughs> because I was using this regularly, which is why I was out of miles. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, so, right. uh, I think so, that concludes the relationship episode. Part part one. I mean, relationship episode part yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. So next week, we're going to talk about another topic that many times we are asked to talk about, which is how did we manage to 
go to school and kind of have this pre-college studying at the same time? How did it work? We used to travel to a different German city every weekend and still go to school very normally during the week. Uh, we both graduated from high school, so this kind of unusual situation, I would yeah. say, which for us was the most usual thing ever, because yeah. we did it Basically, for 10 yeah, years. <laughs> how we combined school and also studying at the same time, and how that was for us. Was it extremely stressful or not? Just wait and see. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of love to everybody, and see you next time. Bye! Bye. Da, 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 da. You're listening to The Sister Trill with Danai and Kivili.